It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome to another edition of the IDP Corner. My name is Justin Varnes. You can follow me on Twitter at DownWithIDP. I'm one of two fantasy analysts doing the IDP section over, or the IDP Corner, if you will, over at FantasyPoints.com. And uh, our other uh, um, compatriot here, Mr. Thomas Simons, is with me. Thomas, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm just perplexed as to whether I'm two or one of the one in two. Well, here's how I look at it. I think that... <laughs> That you are number one and I'm A. So oh, you're, I right? don't know about that. I'm, one. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. So <laughs> uh, we're, every every year we're co-champions of the IDP corner. There you go. Long. Now I like that. We're both ones. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of uh, trying to come in number one, uh, we're going to try and help y'all uh, do exactly that this season. Uh, we're still, you know. Not quite into the real preseason action. We did have a little preseason action already with the Hall of Fame game, but all that's right around the corner. So, uh, but we do have a bunch of news that have come in, some injury stuff, some uh, mainly some signings, and just some general training camp reports. And we just, you know, kind of has shifted a few things or just some things we have our eye on. We want to go over that. And then um, we have some cool stuff coming up next week uh, with a special guest. Uh, and then we'll really start diving into the preseason action. So, uh, Thomas, you want to get us started off with some defensive linemen? Sure. Um, first thing I want to do is is we we state this every year at the beginning of the season. Don't overthink the preseason. Just because somebody sees a lot of playing time in the preseason doesn't guarantee they'll start or see that much playing time during the regular season. In fact, a lot of the starters play very little during the preseason. They'll maybe see some action in, in the third game. Some cases, they don't, like Jamal Adams, may not play at all during the preseason to get them ready for the, the regular season. So don't overthink the snap counts. Now, to move on to the defensive linemen, um, I'm going to start off with a suspension, and that's Charles Omenehu from uh, Kansas City was suspended six games for violating the league's personal conduct po- uh, policy after his January arrest for suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence. Now, rookie um, Felix Anudike uh, Uzuma could see significant sa- snaps in preseason. Now, here's one of those ones where you, he could see a lot of snaps but that doesn't guarantee he's going to be doing that during the regular season. So while he'll get a good look at this kid, for, we'll get a good look at this kid, it looks it's most likely going to be Mike Dana that's going to be the starting starter opposite George Karlaftis. And, and the rookie could get into the mix with a solid preseason. I want to talk a little bit about the, that Hall of Fame game that we just saw. Um, you know, obviously uh, not a lot of uh, fantasy action, if you will. But I did notice one thing, which was, you know, Cleveland Browns, they have uh, a new defensive coordinator this year in Jim Schwartz. Schwartz has been around the league a long time, um, but – and he has a couple of defenses, a couple of schemes that he kind of runs regularly. The big question was what, what you know, was he going to bring that to Cleveland? Uh, and the and what we saw, no matter who was out there, was a lot of the Jim Schwartz um, scheme that we were expecting to see during this Hall of Fame game, um, which is wide nine alignments. That means really putting your defensive ends 
you know, out out in the nine technique, which is on basically on the other side of the uh, of the tight end. So you know, really far away from uh, the left and 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 right tackles, which uh, allows them to kind of use their speed and their burst off the off the end, uh, and then a couple of big guys in in the three gaps in the middle trying to to hold things down. So when they're rushing like that, you know. This done right or in in the hands of the right kind of edge rushers can really make a, a, a big splash. And they have two of the best edge rushers on their team. Obviously, they got Miles Garrett, um, who we're not at all. You know, we were already expecting to have a really good year. I think this is going to be a good scheme for him. But I really think it's going to be good also for Zadarius Smith. He's a guy I think he's going a little under the radar. He's an excellent pass rusher and playing across from Miles Garrett uh, should help him. Um, and right now he's being drafted about DL25 according to the uh, IDP shows ADP, which is one of the few ADP uh, um, generators that, that I actually rely on. IDP ADP is so bananas on so many sites just because of, of how um, you know, just of how um, gen- generic that sort of thing is, but uh, I really like the way IDP show does it. So, um, but according to their ranking, he's DL twenty five. I mean, you're you're talking about a uh, you know le- you know bottom end DL two, high end DL three. That's a great place for Zadarius Smith uh, and Thomas. Actually, we know when you and I are putting together the depth charts for for Cleveland, mm-hmm. you dropped a note in there that I really liked, and uh, your note was in thir- in his thirteen years as defensive coordinator, seven. De- Different DLs have posted a double-digit sack season. Um, Now, obviously, we're expecting Miles Garrett to do that anyway. Right. uh, But but it does really bode well for um, Garrett's upside and also, I think, uh, for for Zadarius Smith being a little bit of a sleeper, uh, particularly in edge leagues. Yeah, I mean, when Schwartz was – he was a defensive coordinator for Tennessee for seven years. Then he took over as a head coach and ran the defense uh, for the Lions from 2009 to 2013. And then he was with with the Eagles for five years from 16 to 21. And, you know, it's it's imperative to to note that – There's a consistency, as you just mentioned in the note that I gave you during the depth chart building, and the consistency is something that's going to benefit Smith tremendously, and he could be a sleeper in later rounds. Now, I'm going to move on to, I I worked the mock game in Seattle on uh, last Friday and got to see the the number one offense face the number one defense and the number one defense face the number two offense and vice versa. They rotated in and out. So the ones was against the twos, the twos against the twos, the twos against the ones and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, Jaron Reed has beefed up um, this offseason and it's looking like they're going to move him to nose tackle uh, in, in, in the new 3-4 scheme. Now, Brian Monet has been on PUP, so Reed has been doing that during their their early training camp. Now, this defensive line is a little undersized, uh, but it's much improved over last year. All the players from last year are gone. Um, rookie Mike Morris out of Michigan will likely be a um, – rush specialist from the inside and not an edge rusher this season. They'll probably move him to the inside position. And, and Morris is another one who's added beef to their, to his frame. So look for Morris not to be an edge rusher on the outside, but more of an inside rusher and come in mostly on passing downs. And when we get a little further into positions and linebackers and defensive backs, I'll talk a little bit more about what I saw in that mock game. 
Yeah, that makes me a little bit uh, more worried for Jerron Reed's uh, uh, sack numbers for his big plays, if you will. You know, if he has beeped up and he and he's playing straight up nose tackle in a three four, it doesn't mean he's not going to you know get his from time to time. But it's certainly you know history says uh, that that those types of players tend to not produce as much um, you know fantasy value in in big play leagues, but. Um, we also see guys like that rack up tons of tackles too early to kind of see how this transition will work for him. Um, but, you know, for me in big play leagues, I might I might be a little more hesitant to to take him as one of my defensive tackles. Um, somebody who had fallen uh, not completely off of our fantasy radar, but certainly off of an actual football team uh, recently got signed, didn't they, Thomas? Yeah. Uh, y- Yannick Ngakwe um, signed with the Chicago Bears and will likely be the immediate starting left defensive end. Now, Ngakwe is a decent option in big play scoring heavy leagues, but is not worth a roster spot in tackle heavy scoring systems. He has not reached 40 total tackles in the past three seasons. And it, but meanwhile, he has averaged nine sacks during that same stretch. So while this is a, a solid addition to the Bears, Fantasy-wise, it only is going to be uh, probably um, valuable or have fantasy value in the big score or big play scoring leagues more so than a tackle-heavy scoring system. Yeah, and this is one of this is a perfect example of how important it is to pay attention to your your league's scoring because in balanced leagues he's an okay play. Yeah, he's so so. Right. Uh in tackle league and in tackle heavy leagues, I mean, he disappears. He's, yeah, he's basically undraftable. Um but in big play leagues, he's the guy who should be moving up your draft board. So pay really close attention to uh exactly what your scoring is. Uh that's going to help a lot with players like Ngakwe. And, you know, uh, players like Jerron Reed and some of these other guys who might end up being, you know, higher on the on the tackle end of things, 50 or 60 tackles, but maybe two or three sacks, depending on your scoring, that actually could be pretty valuable or it could be, you know, he could be dead in the water. So, you know, some people have written to us during even during the season and wondered what is the difference between a tackle heavy scoring system and a big play scoring system. The best way to look at it is look at your scoring system and see it this way. If you have a player who has a sack and can give you six to eight points on that one sack, which is four points for the sack and maybe one or two points for the tackle, that's six points there. Or maybe you get five points for the sack and one or two points for a, a tackle. That's seven points. Well, if if you're getting one or two points for a tackle, that means that that same player has to do three or four or five plays just to equal what it took scoring points-wise in that one play with a sack. So that's where big play heavy scoring systems favor is when you have a sack and then and you're getting a lot of points and it would take you three or four plays to match that with tackles. Now in a tackle heavy league, if it's two or three points for a tackle and you're only getting one or two points for a sack, then for every sack you get, you're getting two or three points for the tackle alone. So you're, you're favoring tackles more than you are the big play. 
Yeah, and this is a super simplified version of it, but j just to do the very, very quick and dirty math in your head, if it's a two-to-one sack-to-tackle ratio, it's basically a tackle-heavy league. I've even seen one-to-one -one ratio yes. um, for tackle-heavy. If it's like three-to-one ratio of, of sack-to-tackle, it's it's a balanced league, and if it's four or more to one... Uh, it's big play. Yeah, it's big play. That's kind of the easiest. You could just look right at your sacks and right at your tackles and very quickly get, get, get a feel for it, but you still want to get in there because tackles for loss can really swing something toward a big play league. Um, you know, other other things like that, even pass defense. There are some, um, you know, some cornerbacks and safeties that will shoot up your board if if you get, you know, two points for every pass defense. Or um, And same with some defensive linemen. We have some defensive linemen who, you know, uh, a annually, you know, get several passes defensed, and and in some leagues, that's as, just as much as a sack is. So, watch and, that stuff carefully. And that is also true with what we talked about in last week's or the last podcast we did. In, in that, the edge rush is now affecting players being changing positions from linebacker to defensive end, and defensive end to defensive tackle, and that's going to change your your strategy as far as how you build your roster based on whether or not it's a big play or a tackle-heavy system. And these players are, are moving into different positions. So now you have a, a you know a wider variety of players at defensive tackle and defensive end and maybe even less variety at linebacker. Speaking of linebacker who can play a, a an edge rush role and sometimes has been defensive end, sometimes has been OLB, uh, let's talk about another signing uh, out in Carolina. Yeah, Justin Houston signed with the the Panthers and will begin practicing at the starting strong side linebacker position. Now, Houston is a big play producer as he has 22 sacks in his last three seasons combined. But, um, and let me take that step further. Houston has double digit sacks in, in uh, four times during a season in his career, but he hasn't done that since uh, 2019. So you have to wonder how much he has left in the tank entering his 13th season. And here's another one uh, similar to Ngakwe. Houston is not really a big tackle heavy player, but he is a big play uh, and does well in big play scoring systems. Uh, let's keep going with linebackers. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in Miami. Um, David Long Jr., <laughs> who's also playing next to Jerome Baker. I think both of these are, are really good uh, fantasy spots in Miami because um, defensive coordinator Vic Fangio has a long history of producing at least one top 25 linebacker. And often both of his linebackers will produce over 100 tackles. So uh, we all, you know, I I had mentioned recently that I think Jerome Baker is somebody who uh, people are are under drafting based on his previous seasons under a different scheme that did not allow him to uh, to rack up the sort of tackles that a lot of his uh, fellow linebackers um, would make. Now he's in that kind of system, but I'm really here to, uh, this time to talk about David Long. Uh, again, according to the IDP shows ADP, David Long is going as LB forty one. So now we're talking, you know, uh, linebacker four, and he's somebody who will most likely get at least 100 tackles in this uh, system. And there are some people who think, um, beat writers, who think that Long is doing so well in this scheme, he might actually be the three down linebacker. I, I don't think that will be the case, um, but 
just the potential of being a three down linebacker um, for Miami and you can get him, you know, I would, I would be drafting David Long as my LB three. I think that's a great spot for him and and he's going LB four ish right now. And then uh, you want to go on to uh, my, I was just, I'm sorry. I, I was paused there because I was looking at those statistics for both Baker and for long and Baker in three of his last four years has, over a hundred total tackles, whereas Long, when he was with Tennessee, never went above um, eighty-six total tackles. But because of the system, and as what you mentioned, he is a viable one hundred tackle candidate, as, as evidence in what um, Baker has done in three of the four uh, last four years with with Miami. So it's intriguing how that's going to play out in a Fangio system. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching that during the summer. Now, speaking of linebackers and veterans, um, the Philadelphia Eagles, they just met, muddied their waters at linebacker in the linebacker room by adding two veteran linebackers. The first one they added was Miles Jack. He signed as an insurance policy and in, in competition for Nicobe Dean, who has been absent lately with an ankle injury. So, Jack is a solid tackle supplier, averaging over 100 total tackles in his last three seasons. But there's a reason why Jack got released by Pittsburgh and why he was let go by Jacksonville a few years back. So there is some downside to Jack, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to steal the starting job from Dean. Um, Zach Cunningham was the second linebacker that they signed. Um, He has great upside potential, but is an annual underachiever. Now, Cunningham had his best season in 2020 when he posted 164 total tackles with Houston. Now, coaching decisions got him released in 2021, and he signed with the Tennessee Titans, finished that season um, doing fairly well. But an elbow injury plagued him last year in 2022, and he was cut back in, in February. Now, you have some thoughts about Nick Sirianni in regards to Nicobe Dean, yes? Yeah. Uh, all the things you just said about muddying the waters, having Zach Cunningham uh, show up and, and Miles Jack. Uh, so I, I did a little digging uh, and, and watched an interview with Nick Sirianni after practice, after these guys were signed. Uh, he said a couple of things that really struck me. Number one, he said a couple of times how pleased he was with Nicobe Dean. And like you'd mentioned, Dean is a little banged up right now uh, with, with an ankle injury. Um, and he said it really wasn't about that ankle injury. He said he felt that, or sorry, the staff felt that they were light in numbers at linebacker, and they're also light in experience. You know, uh, Nicobe Dean is in his second year, and he, you know he, he barely got on the field last year during their their Super Bowl run. So uh, it is a lot to ask Nicobe Dean to just be in there and, and kind of be the leader uh, without a whole lot of veteran uh, uh, support there. Uh, you, know, you know, the other guys um, around there, as you'd mentioned, Christian Ellis, uh, and even Nicholas Morrow is really not that much of a veteran. Moro, as we had mentioned before, Moro, of course, has has played in this uh, this defensive scheme, so he he is there to kind of help with that. Um, so I do I definitely think that it, it muddies the water. I think it muddies it more for Nicholas Moro and Christian Ellis than it does for Dean. Now, ever however, uh, we'll we'll know in a few more weeks as we see all this uh, uh, kind of come come out. I also want to point out that he had mentioned how the safeties and linebackers are both the quarterbacks of the defense. Um, and with that, 
I also saw a little nugget uh, on Twitter from uh, Ben Fennell, who had mentioned on Twitter that uh, he was at one of the Phillies, pract- uh, uh, one of uh, the, the Eagles practices, and he saw that they were running a lot of dime packages that day. Now, granted, that was just one practice, one day. Of course, they have to practice their dime package, but he saw a lot of it, and it made him think maybe we're going to see more dime this year. We saw a lot of two linebacker uh, sets out of Philly last year, but again, this is a new scheme. So, um, this is just smoke. There's no fire yet. But if Sirianni made it a point to say how important the safeties are in terms of being quarterbacks out there, um, and uh, you know we think they might be running a lot of dime, then how much uh, Morrow and Ellis get on the field compared to some solid veterans like uh, Jack and Cunningham, that to me is, is really the question. So I'm a little bit more worried about some of these dark horses like Morrow and 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 Christian Ellis. Um, uh, you know, it, it, you mentioned these two guys. There's also Sean Bradley, and they have a couple other guys. They've got Patrick Johnson. They they drafted Nolan Smith, uh, Kyron Johnson as well. The, the one linebacker that probably won't be affected by all of this is Hassan Reddick, who is more of an edge rusher, and he'll he'll be sh- shifting more to the, the you know the defensive line, and will join you know the Brandon Grams and the Josh Sweat and the the. Derek Barnett and Jalen Carter and Flex, you know, Fletcher Cox and so on and so forth. It's going to be interesting to see if they do run these two linebacker sets, you know, and they go with these, they've replaced their entire safety um, situation with Terrell Edmonds being added. And they now have Reed Blankenship as a starter and they drafted Sidney Brown, who could be their third safety. And they also have Kevon Wallace and Justin Evans, and and they could go a lot more three safety sets and two linebackers. So it's going to be an interesting summer to watch what they do. Yeah. And keep in mind, Cunningham and Jack are both in their prime ages, but neither of them can stick with the team, which is a bad sign for their chances to start here. (laughs) You think? I'm going to move over to Buffalo and talk about their middle linebacker competition because it's totally wide open. The departure of Tremaine Edmonds to Chicago has left a big void in the middle of this defense. Now, currently, Tyrell Dotson is battling Terrell uh, Bernard and um, Balin Spector, um, with each of them running with the first team every third day during practices. Now, once the pads go on and the preseason begin, one of these threes is going to step up and take over the starting job. And and my money is on Dotson, who's who started at the middle linebacker uh, spot during the Bills' annual blue and red scrimmage. Now, Matt Milano didn't play in that scrimmage, so they moved Bernard to the weak side linebacker or to the outside linebacker spot that Milano plays, and they started Dotson inside. And that's a pretty clear indication that Dotson has the lead for the middle linebacker spot considering that they didn't move him to the outside and put Bernard in the middle. So I I would hedge my bet on Dotson, but that's still a wide open competition. So I'm going to mention of uh, my next two linebackers uh, are going to be deeper leagues plays. They're going to be people you either are going to put on a bench or possibly just leave on the waiver wire and flag them and just and just know that this is kind of the deal. As of right now, the commanders are are considering Cody Barton as Jamin Davis's sub if Javen if if Davis does get suspended. Uh, David Mayo obviously will be out there playing as well. But depending on what happens with Davis, it should be Cody Barton uh, who ends up uh, filling in for him. Uh, 
Uh, again, we have a long way to go to that, but just, you know, as we hear more and more about, uh, of that news, we kind of figure out what's going to happen there. Uh, it looks like Cody Barton over David Mayo will be the one to have. I will keep an eye on it. So will Thomas, if we get more information about that, I'll let you know. But if you want to watch some preseason, if you want to put your eyes on something in preseason, when you're watching these Washington games, watch Barton and Davis and Mayo and, and, Mayo and see how all they rotate and what we can kind of get from those tea leaves. I'm going to stay in the NFC East and, and talk about the projections that are coming out on the uh, Dallas Cowboys linebacker positions, which are all over the place. They have some places have Leighton Vander Esch as the middle linebacker and Damone Clark as the weak side linebacker, and a lot of others have Vander Esch as the weak side linebacker and Clark as the middle, and they're interchangeable. So this is a there's a ton, not a ton of depth here on this Cowboys linebacker spot. Jabril, Croc, uh, Jabril Cox is still trying to reach his potential, and Dallas uh, reached a little bit, I think, when they drafted uh, DeMarvin Overshawn uh, in this year's draft. Now, the fact that Micah Parsons will see a ton of edge rushing does not eliminate him from playing linebacker in, in certain packages. So trusting any of these linebackers is a very risky proposition. Van Der Esch is probably going to see more snaps than most of these linebackers other than Parsons. Parsons is obviously the go-to guy in this group, even though he's a, a, an edge rusher and probably listed as a defensive end. But Damone Clark finished last year strong, so it's going to be interesting. If he has a good summer, a good preseason, then Clark could be seeing significant uh, snap count this year, and it's going to be interesting to see who wears the green dot. Uh, my second player uh, on this, you know, like waiver wire watch or or deep league, you know, bench stash taxi squad kind of guy, would be Jamie and Sherwood uh, in 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 New York for the Jets. Uh, it looks like. Uh, he is C.J. Mosley's direct backup, at least according to beat writer Rich Criminy, um, who reported on, on Twitter that Sherwood has been taking reps at middle linebacker as Mosley's direct backup. Mosley has been banged up a bunch of his career. He's 31. If he goes down with an injury, Sherwood is likely be, to be the one to see significant snaps. So that's a guy to kind of just just put a flag on or if you're in, if you're, or if you're in a deep league and you've got a taxi squad, that's the kind of person you want to squirrel away because it might immediately mean mean you know uh 50 60 snaps a game so we we, we want we, we want to uh store him away or at least just keep an eye on him and keep an eye on mosley's health you want to move on to defensive backs yeah let's move to the secondary um i'm going to start with a veteran stud in jalen ramsey uh, he injured his knee and was carted to the locker room in a practice uh, he had to undergo surgery for a full meniscus repair and is likely gone uh, anywhere between six to eight weeks. Of course, if you talk to Ramsey, he'll be back in a month, but that's beside the point. He is a candidate for the PUP or temporary IR list to start the season. Now, Im immediately, the Dolphins went out and signed veteran Eli Apple to a one-year deal. Now, Apple is battling Cam Smith and Noah Igbenogny um, as Kader Kuhu will uh, man the starting slot cornerback spot. So that uh, second cornerback uh, outside position opposite Xavier Howard is wide open between those three cornerbacks. Uh, yeah, and uh, speaking of that, there have been several positive reports out of camp uh, in terms of uh, Igbenogany's uh, market improvement in this scheme. Remember, they've changed schemes. Now they're in the Fangio scheme. Uh, 
just some history on him. He was a 2020 first rounder. He struggled in that Flores, Patrick Graham, Josh Boyer, uh, New England style defense. Now he's in Fangio's defense and he seems to be uh, thriving. So with Ramsey being out until at least November, uh, you know, He's a guy that that right now again is really you know he's not being he's completely free even in deep deep leagues nobody's really me- messing with Igbenogany so uh, if I were you I would flag him and just watch what happens with his snaps and his targets when we get to week one and week two uh, he's could be the guy he could be a guy we could pick up and use in uh, CB required leagues that nobody's even thinking about uh, and he will get tested a lot. Uh, playing across from Xavier Howard if he does actually end up getting that spot. Another injury that that happened at a cornerback position was in Atlanta with Jeff Okuda. They acquired him this year or signed him this season, and he immediately went out and injured his ankle in a one-on-one drill and was carted to the locker room. Now, the MRI he had showed no structural damage, and the Falcons think he could be ready to return anywhere between weeks one, two, or three. Um, Cornerback Trey Flowers took over the right cornerback spot in practice, but there are others like D. Alford, Mike uh, Hughes, or Darren uh, Hall who could replace Okuda should he miss any games. Hughes is more likely going to be challenging Alford for the um, the nickel or slot cornerback position. So this is a situation where we don't quite know whether or not they are willing to deviate from their plan of, of who is going to play slot corner and then move them to the, the starting cornerback, outside cornerback position, and now have to adjust two positions in order to take care of this missing injury starter. So it's going to be interesting in the summer to, to watch this situation to, to who actually starts outside and who starts in the slot. Yeah, and remember, whoever that is, is playing across from A.J. Terrell, and uh, Terrell has really uh, put together a couple of nice seasons. So, uh, again, we want to think about if you're the if you're the offensive coordinator and you're putting a game plan together and you know how good Terrell is, right. this, this second cornerback position could be one that gets targeted a lot. You bring up a very valid point, and, and this is one of the reasons why we bring up these situations and these injuries, is that with a player like Terrell uh, on the opposite side, and the same thing in Miami with with Howard on one side and the the void on the other side, and here with Terrell on the uh, Atlanta's outside and the void on this with Okuda's position, these players that step in could become the number one target from the offense because of the fact they don't want to target a Howard or a Terrell, so they they focus on the other side of the the defense and they see a lot of targets their way, and that usually improves their their fantasy value for tackles and or for big plays so i'm gonna uh mention one more you know uh flagged player taxi squad just watch on the waiver wire kind of guy um jim wyatt reported on twitter that uh titans defensive coordinator shane bowen mentioned cornerback elijah molden has been playing uh, a lot at nickel and at safety so this is another cornerback who is a completely free 
but is also a candidate for the um, annual Where the Hell Did That Guy Come From Award uh, in the defensive backs, which we always get, you know, three to five of those every year. So yep. uh, a couple of these ones that we're that we've mentioned uh, are, are possibly ones who could end up doing that. So you just want to you don't want to draft them. You just want to unless you're in a super deep league and you're playing four and five uh, cornerbacks at a time. Um, but you do want to just keep your eye out because if you can beat your league mates to the punch uh, by a week or so because you're looking for it, uh, that's going to that's gonna give you the edge. So uh, like I said, just like Igmanogany, uh, pay attention to his snaps and his usage in the first week or two of the season. Or you can just subscribe to fantasypoints.com and Thomas and I will do all that work for you. Uh, and then we can tell you what they're doing and if you should pick them up. That seems easier, right? Less free time. Plug, free plug. Yeah, like less time studying charts and box scores, which gives you more time to make those delicious maple buttered scones you've seen on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, um, interesting. I'm going to stay with cornerback uh, and talk about Devin Witherspoon on Seattle. I had mentioned I, I uh, worked the mock game last Friday. So Witherspoon looked really solid in the Seahawks mock game. He posted two passes defended in the first PD he had. He was beaten on the play, but he stretched out and slapped the ball away at the last second. And the kid had some serious arm length. I, I, I'm getting vibes from the veterans who I, I listen to on the talk radio in, in the area in the Seattle market. And they, they're talking highly of this kid and, and the, the fact that he could very well um, start at cornerback opposite Tariq Woolen, which if if he's as good as they say he is in what I've seen so far, and we know what Woolen did last year, if the two of them do the same thing this year, that defense is all of a sudden going to become very, very flexible and very, very um, uh, different than it was last year. A guy like Jamal Adams, if healthy, they'll use him in ways we didn't even think of because of the fact that now he doesn't have to play a true safety position with two shutdown corners on the on the outside. Now, this Seahawks number one defense looked really solid in the mock game, even though they were without Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Tariq Woolen. I mean, most of their starters didn't play, and they still looked pretty solid. Speaking of Tariq Woolen, uh, he did just return to practice. So he's been taken off the PUP list. And I believe yesterday uh, was his first uh, day of, 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 of getting of seeing the practice field. So uh, he is, you know, all that's on, on track. I know he didn't he hasn't practiced uh, up until this point, but he's just now hitting the practice field. So um, they, he and guys like Bobby Wagner, they all, they all should be out there when it counts. You know, as kind of kind of as you were as you started this podcast by saying, you know, be careful uh, uh, about about how to how to interpret some of these players not playing. Um, there's a good chance that you know that he, of course, will be uh, starting on the outside come week one. And, and the fact that he's already back on the practice field, which means he'll definitely get some preseason reps. I think he's going to be full speed when it gets. Yeah, um, most of these guys like Bobby Wagner, he doesn't have to prove anything. He's been here, he's done it. They know what he's capable of doing. So you're going to see very little of him during the preseason because they don't want to burn him out and they don't want to have a risk of injury. Yeah, he may get a few snaps here or there just to get that contact feel going into the season but guys like him and Jordan Brooks who's still on PUP and probably won't see uh, action until if at all the the last preseason game is another player who will likely not see much time until we get to season the season opener 
You want to uh, close us out with some contract yeah. news? There are four guys that I want to bring to the attention of uh, our subscribers, and, and that's uh, started on the defensive line in Cameron Jordan on New Orleans. He signed a two-year contract extension worth $27.5 million with all of it guaranteed. Now, that means he's going to be with the Saints through 2025. Uh, Logan Wilson on Cincinnati signed a four-year contract extension worth thirty-seven and a quarter million, and this puts Wilson with the Bengals through twenty twenty-six. Some people have said that seemed like a low number for Wilson, but I think what he's doing is he's taking that lower number so that others on the team can stay with the team and get their contracts so that they can continue to make runs in the deep into the playoffs. Matthew Judon on New England reworked his four-year contract without adding any years to it. Uh, Judon will bump his guaranteed money this year from $2 million to $14 million, and he can earn upwards to $18 million this year alone. And finally, uh, safety Malik Hooker on Dallas signed a three-year extension worth $24 million with an $8 million signing bonus. All right. So speaking of um, uh, injuries and contract extensions um, and uh, things that happen essentially off the field and how they affect things on the field, uh, we have a very special guest coming on next week. Uh, we, we try to get him on at least once a preseason, um, and that's the good doctor, Dr. Edwin Porras, who works for FantasyPoints.com. Doctor. Doctor's in the house. Yes, sir. So uh, we're, we're going to have a list of IDPs uh, who are coming off injuries. You know, we mentioned a, a last podcast we talked some about some Achilles injuries um, we're gonna we're gonna try and put together a good list of of um, of, of players who might not recover as fast as we think they would uh, or possibly recover faster. Every time he comes on, uh, he gives us some great insight about, um, you know, risk of re-injury, all that sort of stuff, or when you shouldn't be remotely worried that somebody got injured. So, uh, injured. So uh, yeah. we're really excited to have him on next week. Look for that podcast to drop uh, sometime on Wednesday or Thursday of, of next week. Um, and also, if you are a fantasypoints.com subscriber uh, and you're a premium subscriber, don't uh, forget to reach out to us on Discord. Uh, we, you know, we're there to help you all through your drafts and through the preseason when you see things. Um, so feel free to reach out to us there. Uh, both Thomas and I will, will be in there, you know, at least once a day uh, checking through things. So um, check yeah, us out it, there. You know, when you do go to the Discord and you post on there, feel free to mention, hey, can you discuss Jamal Adams' injury or whoever's injuries uh, in the in you know the next podcast with Doctor Doctor Edwin? Um, so the, you know, you can also mention players that you want us to look into as far as. You know, does Buffalo's linebacker situation change and so on and so forth? Feel free to post those in Discord and, and ask us to cover those in our next podcast, and we'll do our best to do that. Absolutely. All right. That's going to wrap it up for Thomas and myself. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Again, we're at fantasypoints.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Down with IDP. Until next time, Thomas, take us out. Be well and be safe. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.